Hey, back at Pastor Plex Podcast. So grateful to be joined by none other than Pastor Holland Gregg of Eastside Community Church. So glad to have you back here, Holland. Pleasure to be back, man. Just means a lot that even after just schooling you and proving you completely wrong in the previous podcast, uh, it's probably very embarrassing for very, you. Very. I, I am so humbled by that. And if, if to you don't invite me back again, I know. It's like I was so schooled that I needed to bring Holland back for another round. So if you didn't hear, <laughs> Uh, that podcast, make sure you go back and listen to uh, the previous podcast on um, our different interpretations of the rapture. <laughs> but we're on a different subject, and it goes back to something that you caused a craze in the Facebook sphere. Facebook sphere? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Facebook went viral and people got really angry at one of your latest posts and i was really excited about it because uh i just got to eat the popcorn and watch the fun begin uh (laughs) but you posted something uh about uh someone receiving the death penalty and how you are pro-life on two sides of things you said you're pro-life uh in terms of um babies and that uh, from conception, I'm assuming that uh, from conception that that is a life that God has that's made in the image of God, and so therefore shouldn't be killed. And then on the flip side, you made a hard stand on. I don't know if it was really necessarily a hard stand, but you you said you grieve that uh, the death penalty had been enacted. Is that a fair way to put that? Essentially, yeah. I, on my on my news feed, it was two posts back to back next to each other. One about the heartbeat bill passing, um, which protects the life of unborn children when a heartbeat has been detected. Mm -hmm. And um, the other post was about um, uh, an inmate, prison inmate, who was receiving the death penalty, who had been executed, Mm -hmm. um, even after um, there were pleas from himself and family members for clemency um, to be granted because uh, essentially based on him uh, being a completely different person 20 years later. Because when when did he commit that crime? I believe he was 19 or 20 years old. Right. And then he died at 44 or something? Uh, yeah, about 20, maybe 40. So it's been about 20 years, okay. I, I think. Um, yeah. So, uh, okay. So let's, let's go there for a second. So uh, this is something that's culturally relevant in the news. Uh, Greg Abbott signed into law a, uh, I guess a, a good way to put that is a pro-life bill mm-hmm. that a baby cannot be aborted after six weeks. Is that I- right? I think just after a heartbeat has been after detected. After a heartbeat, yeah. So I, I don't know. After a heartbeat, yeah, you're right. That's a better way to put it. After a heartbeat has been detected, a baby cannot be aborted. Uh, and so let's talk about why that's a good thing <clears throat> and uh, where scripturally we get that from. Sure. Um, so it's a good thing because scripture teaches that all people are made in the image of God. Uh, in Genesis, the, the early chapters of Genesis, we see kind of a theology of humanity and the value, mm-hmm. dignity, intrinsic worth that we have just as human beings. Right. And uh, being made in the image of God is, yeah, just tremendous value, right? right. God, God sets us apart in, a, uh, in some way, you know, from the rest of creation and bearing his image. And uh, we see that kind of teaching all throughout scripture, the value yeah. of human life. Uh, as well as teaching in scripture that life begins at conception and that even um, when we're in the womb, uh, God is at work forming us, knitting us together, Psalm 139, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so you take these two theological realities together of uh, life beginning at conception, all life uh, having inherent worth and value because it bears the image of God, and you see, you know, an argument for um, the value of even preborn babies, um, mm-hmm. babies in the womb from the, from the beginning. And so 
uh, why, why I think the heartbeat bill is a good thing is because it protects and upholds the value and dignity of human life, the sanctity of human life, even a life in the womb, um, a very vulnerable and you know, helpless life right. who cannot defend or speak for itself. Um, so I think it's a good thing. I, I would also say, though, just um, that the, a lot of people were grieved about this bill passing because, um, well, one, you, you have pro-choice people grieving because it feels like it's infringing upon their rights on their bodies. Mm-hmm. And especially, you know, a picture of a bunch of men uh, make, signing into law this bill um, about what women can and can't do with their bodies is, is kind of their, the view there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also women who uh, have who have had abortions in the past and feel... Um, condemned. You know, feel feel condemned right. because of that. Um, feel judged because of that, mm-hmm. and see all their all their Christian friends celebrating this bill on Facebook, uh, and then feeling very ostracized, condemned, judged, right. um, feeling like outsiders. And some women um, uh, feel shame about the decision, and right. and that shame increases right when they feel like they're being judged by um, the world. Other, yeah, the world. And so uh, I, I think that is an aspect too. If you're pro life, uh, to be conscious of and to yeah. care for people and like really extend love and 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 care and uh, invite in those who have yeah and I, had and abortions I, yeah yeah and I feel like that's so such an important thing, uh, especially at our church. We've had many who've had abortions, and it's I think been one in four women. One in four, and I and I can I every can church probably. yeah every church. It doesn't whether you are like super christian uber like live the life there's there's people that have been hiding that from you because they don't want to admit the fact that at some point in their life they had an abortion Uh, but the reality is this is where we got to understand god's grace and i feel like this is the struggle um and and what i've I've said this probably over and over uh again is that when you carry shame around what your whatever your sin is and this is why being a person who's had an abortion, uh, it's it's not that you need to feel more shame because we're celebrating the fact that there has been life given to uh, other children, but rather it should be something to celebrate with you that you are being a part of something that um, could help sort of rectify the future, redeem the future, bring um, hope to the future. We don't want to sit you sit sit you down and be condemned uh for being a total waste of a human being that is not the gospel and that there's no freedom there and so the gospel says that jesus died on the cross and when he died your sin was so bad that he had to die and that the wrath of god that you were supposed to receive he took on for you and so the shame is off you uh so to speak so i I really feel like that's an important thing to for us to really double down on with the the gospel and the freedom we have in Christ because I think a lot of people who have experienced abortion probably feel as two guys sitting here talking about it uh, probably feel like well you don't understand and and you're right I cannot all I can do is sympathize not empathize I've never been in that in that position but I do want you to know that God's grace covers you uh, as well that your sin is not any greater than mine but rather it is a different form and um, but the reality is that that it is still sin and it required Jesus' death to die for you and for me. So uh, from that point, I, I do want to maximize the sin. It, there is a reality that you took a life, and that. but the, the beauty of that is that Jesus has come to forgive you of your sin. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think it's that same beauty of the gospel that I kind of apply to the situation of uh, the death penalty right. um, where I think – protecting life in the womb and offering grace to other people. Um, just w- what would that look like to broaden that out um, in other ways in society? And uh, 
So like even just to actually to expand a little bit on the abortion thing, I've walked with people, um, Mm -hmm. women before, uh, counseled or discussed different things who have had abortions and have explained some of the circumstances that led to that. And uh, you hear about some of the traumatic things that have happened. You hear about some of the the just really difficult circumstances that led to that decision, how hard it was to make that decision. And and there's even as someone who does not think abortion is the way to go. Like you have, there's sympathy and there's Mm -hmm. like, you know, you're Mm -hmm. like, man, oh my gosh, I don't know what I would do in that situation or if I, uh, and so like, I think really caring for people um, and understanding like, man, uh, sometimes you you make decisions like that because you're coming from a really broken place. And so when we consider um, the inmate who was uh, executed, Mm -hmm. who the reason he was um, sent to jail and given, death penalty was that he was on drugs and uh killed his i think it was grandma uh, great yeah grandma or I think o- it was older aunt, lady yeah. i think it was his aunt um for drug money and uh so he killed her and went went to jail has been in jail for 20 years and then was executed um i think lethal injection and uh so you think about that and and you in one sense you can go okay does he does does the punishment fit the crime? And I would say yes. I think in Scripture you see so Genesis nine mm-hmm. six. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in His own image. Right. Um, that's actually that's saying like, hey, if you kill someone, you should you your life will be taken from you as well because the the, the punishment fits the crime. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Essentially, you take a life, your life is taken, and that actually is upholding the sanctity of human life. Right. By upholding the sanctity of the life that was taken and right. saying, what what an injustice. There's nothing else, no other punishment, you know, is is fitting for such an injustice mm-hmm. as for you to have your own life taken. Right. And we see capital punishment throughout the Old Testament in um, oh, Deuteronomy. Yeah, yeah. And, and history as well. Um, but I specifically bring up the Old Testament as something sure. sanctioned or ordained by God. Yeah. As saying, it's like, not just Hammurabi's code. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's God's word. Exactly. Um, and, and so in that sense, you can say, okay, giving someone the death penalty actually also is pro-life in the sense that it is, it is valuing the sanctity of human life properly right. in, in that kind of punishment. Um, and then in Romans 13, um, Paul talks about the government and their authority to punish evil and their, their actually their duty. Um, uh, it says, for there is no authority except from God, or be subject to governing authorities. There's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God and avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Right. And, and you could so, almost say he does not bear the lethal injection exactly. button or the rifle or like I think they're doing death by firing squad in South Carolina now. Anyway, okay. uh, they, they have uh, – there, there, there's – that is – he has a power to take life was right. what the power of the sword means. Yeah. And so with that, I, I would say does um, – yeah, does the government have the right to take – the life of someone who has taken someone else's life, mm. according to scripture. Mm. And I think, yes. Uh, and so why why am I opposed to the death penalty? Because I think just because the government has the right to do that, it doesn't mean that they are necessarily obligated to do that. Mm-hmm. 
um, especially especially if um, there is a way to redeem the life of the person right. who has committed the crime. Um, meaning, so you take this this person who is executed, and you consider uh, his his family members actually wrote um, asking for clemency, saying he's not the same person he used to be. He was young. He, and and, he had a and, and to be fair, the, the, this, the family members are his family members, but also the aunts. Yes. Everybody's in the same family. Yes, exactly. Um, and uh, saying he had a, he had a, a troubled upbringing. His, his, uh, I think she said specifically his mom didn't care for him, wasn't there for him. He, he experienced neglect or abuse um, growing up, like just had a traumatic childhood. Yeah. Um, and it's, it was this traumatic childhood that led him into drugs in the first place. And right. then from being addicted to drugs, led him into a life of crime. Right. And so when you think about a child experiencing that kind of trauma, abuse and neglect mm-hmm. and ending up becoming addicting, addicted to drugs for me, I go, is that the child's fault? Did he choose the home he grew up in? No. <laughs> um, he was subjected to neglect and abuse and and uh, a home that led him sure. to some, ser- some serious trauma. And, and and part of the result of that is um, the choices he made into drugs and crime. And, and so is he still responsible for his actions? Yes. Yeah. Before government and society, before God, yes, yes, yes. But at the same time, I think there's, there's some compassion and mercy in me going, man, if only he had grown up in a different home. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he didn't experience that, his life could have turned out completely differently. Right. And then in prison for, for 20 years, turned his life around uh, from, from the testimony of other people, turned his life to God mm-hmm. um, and became a completely different person who was remorseful about what he did, who was repentant, who seek to bless and serve other people where he was. And his own family members saying, hey, we've, what he did was wrong. It was sinful. It was like I, it's, it hurts me to this day, but we've forgiven him, and we mm. know that God has forgiven him. Can't we be merciful to him? Yeah, and I think it's, I think that's really a, a great point, uh, Holland. That you have the the family of the victim pleading for clemency uh, in that moment, and I, and I think that's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, and what does that look like? Does that mean? Is, and this is the part where, where we can only hypothesize sure. of what that means. Does that mean that he stays in jail for another forever, or is he, you know, is he released in his own recognizance? You know, what what does that even look like? We we don't necessarily know. And I think probably yeah. what people usually would get frustrated about is who's going to pay for that rehab. Someone's yeah. got to pay for that. And, uh, and okay, okay, you've now decided not to kill him, but now he's going to be in jail for another forever, which. Maybe that that is a monetary cost, but then now, don't you want to be a, a society of people that that is slow to kill? You know, there's a lot of things that you you're gonna everything costs something. If you want to be a society that has a higher degree of compassion, it's gonna cost you something, yeah. and that's gonna be a, a dollar sign for people. And I think that might be a, a really frustrating. And why do I have to pay for his rehab when he's the one that? did the murder. And I, and I think that's the part where people are going all over the place. But I do agree with you that I feel like um, at every turn, we should be pleading with people to preserve life, not for life's sake. It, it kind of goes back to the people who say, you're not pro-life, you're pro-birth. And I'm like, no, I'm, yeah. I'm pro-life because what I want to see is people made in the image of God uh, be declared um, or to live out their life as God has intended them and to bring grace and mercy. I think the other hard part is we don't live in a Christian 
uh, country. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah. so I, I guess like for me, I consider people like Moses who killed yep. a man, yep. right? And then fled for his life yep. and, and came back and led an amazing movement for God. Right. Led the people out of Egypt. Um, you know, Mo, he's like, he's Moses, right? Sure. <laughs> David. Uh, Although if you're Egypt, you'd probably be not a big fan of Moses. Right. <laughs> he's going to go kill your entire army. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So it would have been a good move for them to take him out. It would have been. It would have been. David as well, though. Right, yeah. um, Adultery as well as murder. Murder. Yeah, he should. And And Genesis 9, right? Hold on. On David, okay, Nathan comes to him, you know, does the story. You are the man. Yeah. And he's like, I have sinned. And he says, don't worry, you're not going to die. Your sin's been forgiven. He hasn't even said he's sorry yet. And, And I'm like, what? Yeah. What is the deal with that? Now, that's a whole other issue I don't need to get into, but... Yeah, no, but it's really valid, I think, and, and just kind of shows, like, okay, yeah, his even though he killed and deserved death as right. the the rightful punishment for what he did... He got mercy. He received mercy, and he led a changed life. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul killed Christians. Yep. Did not have his life taken, but instead had his life redeemed right. by Jesus and became the author of, you know, the majority of the New Testament and mm-hmm. uh, let church planter and all these wonderful things. And so what I, when I think about yeah. would the world have been better off if Moses had just been killed, if David had just been killed, if Paul had just been killed, or is the world better off through a redeemed life uh, and a powerful testimony of the grace and mercy of God that leads other people sure. to um, receiving the, the mercy right. and grace of God? So does the government have the right to do it? Does uh, someone who is committed murder deserve it? Um, yes and yes. But is there potentially uh, an alternative route that can actually lead to a redeemed life and a powerful testimony of the grace of God? Yeah. That, that's kind of where I land. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think and probably so – Restorative justice is another approach, by mm-hmm, the way. Mm-hmm. Um, if Google restorative just, justice, anyone listening who's interested in that, mm-hmm. essentially is a way to, to seek the redemption uh, of criminals and their reentry into society in some cases. Um, and so, yeah, exactly what that looks like I think uh, is, is very case by case. Yeah, and I think that's re- recidivism you know, where you, you just go back into the cycle. And, yeah. and I think that's the scary part, right? right. If someone is – it, not, I don't want to treat. I don't make this like an animal comparison. That doesn't doesn't even make sense. But like, if a dog bites a kid, then you put the dog down. And so, what I think people feel is like, if someone kills someone, then you need to put them down because they're going to be more apt to do it again. Which may be true, but it does take leave out the the ability for someone to be redeemed and restored and well, like God, Paul, to, God when, to work. No one trusted Paul. Right. When he came. We became a Christian, and they were all afraid when yep. he was saying, "No, I'm a believer now." So that that was no the legit feeling of like, yeah. "Oh, this guy's going to kill me." And it says Barnabas alone was the only one who <laughs> who took him under his wing. Yeah, but, that's good. But then Barnabas, you know, eventually helped Paul. You see a transition from Barnabas being the leader uh, in Acts 14 and 15 to Paul really being the leader and kind of taking it from there as the leader of the Christian movement to the nations. No, I that, so, and I don't think anybody can dispute that, and I think that's the beauty of it. Uh, is that God can use even murderers for his glory. Um, And I think it does put the the governor really uh, in a really hard spot. Right. To to know this is where, because it might be the right move uh, in in some ways, because if someone is not going to be restored, they could kill again or whatever. Um, But man, you you may also miss out on an opportunity to see somebody redeemed. And so I think that, man, I... Uh, to be in leadership means you're going to get criticized. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so Governor Abbott has a tough 
uh, job to play or job to play, job role to, to fill. And, and I think it's just a challenge for all leaders in general to, to really have that. The weight of a Romans 13 is not something to kind of like uh, scoff at. It's, it's a big yeah. deal. It's a heavy weight to bear. And um, that's why we need to pray for our leaders, whether you agree with them politically or not. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, so I, I think what was particular, the reason I made the post in the first place, mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't, I, what I said was that I was sad, yeah. to, thrilled about one thing, but sad about another thing. And um, you can't I think be happy me, and sad. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> uh, sorrowful yet always rejoicing. There you go. Paul said. There you go. Um, our emotions are more complex than we realize sometimes. Uh, and so I, I think for me, mm-hmm. what I was grieved about in particular with this case was the fact that he was so remorseful and repentant and had family members pleading for mercy and not right. receiving it. Um, you know, would it would I would it have been a different case if it was someone who was unrepentant, not remorseful, still just kind of full of hatred and yeah. and rage, middle fingers up as they go down. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I think it's a different kind of case. But man, just seeing someone who is broken over what they had done, right. begging for mercy, it as a person who has who deserves death and has looked to God. Good. Please forgive me, God. Mm-hmm. I don't deserve it, but please forgive me and give me a new life. And right. God said yes. Yeah. But now, obviously, the government is not God. Right. <laughs> We're talking about uh, social, a social legal construct kinda, that, yeah, that's exactly. not it's not Christian. And it's so, fair yeah. enough. I, I I acknowledge that it's two different kind of cases. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it's just I, I think when you receive so much amazing grace from God, don't you want to give to everybody? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, yeah, and and I and I think some people don't know this that uh, the death penalty has been something that Christians have sort of been against. Uh, at least Catholics. I'll give it to the Catholics. Yeah. Uh, for a long time, they've been protesting um, death penalty events for a long, long time. So this mm-hmm. isn't a new thing to sort of be um, pro-life on the back end. Um, it, it's been something that um, the church in general has stood for for a long, long, long time. Um, and so, uh, but to your point of Romans 13, it's it's in the hands of the authority that God has placed there and the decision yeah. that so ultimately, God is in charge of that ruler, and so what has happened is God's permissive will. Um, is it God's moral will? That we'll find out later. <laughs> no, I guess you could say it's God's moral will, right? Because it's in, in their hands to make that, that call. Okay, well, I think that's that wraps it up on um, on, on Holland's post. Uh, that we got 25 minutes out of. So thanks, Holland, thanks. for uh, <laughs> for for posting that and and making that uh, part of the show. We're gonna have to bring you back again next time for something awesome and equally exciting uh, that you're about to post on social media. <laughs> thanks, Chris. <laughs>